Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Truly Criminal, the home of true crime. To see the video version of this case, including the footage and photos, you can find us on YouTube. Just search for Truly Criminal. Today's case takes us to Essex, England, home to Jennifer Cronin and her daughter Susan. Jennifer was utterly devoted to her family. She was glamorous and sociable, kind and gentle. She shared a close bond with her daughter Susan, and the pair adored each other. In 1990, Susan met Kieran Lynch. Susan was a trainee hairdresser and in her late teens. Kieran, a bricklayer and builder, was three years her senior. For Susan's friends, they said he appeared to worship the ground she walked on, and they were seemingly the perfect couple. It was very important for Susan that her new husband got along with her parents, and luckily he did. The couple went on to have two daughters, Matilda and Molly. The girls were incredibly close to their grandparents and saw them at least twice a week. Matilda would describe her dad saying that when she was little, she thought he was a generous and amazing father, but there was a different side to his personality. A deeply competitive side, with him always needing to be the best at absolutely everything, and having a desperate need to control and give off an image of a picture-perfect family. He would say that he worked hard to keep up with his daughter's lifestyles and provide for his wife, but Susan said he really struggled to cope with stress, and that he found it hard to express his emotions in a way that was healthy, and as a result, it would often come out in anger, with Kieran destroying and breaking things. As time carried on, things did not appear to get better. Susan said his reactions would become bigger and more aggressive, especially when alcohol was involved. One of their daughters said that she had vivid memories of screaming and shouting and plates being smashed. The day after an outburst, he would apologise and try and excuse his behaviour. Like many who suffer from domestic abuse, Susan said she was ashamed and embarrassed and didn't want to tell anyone what was happening to her. One of their daughters would later say, We weren't able to let the dog outside or anything. I was just really frightened. We had a strange relationship. If I called in sick at work, he would text saying, Are you not at work? I knew he was driving around. Me and my mom had a really close relationship. My dad was quite violent towards me and my mom. If he would go for my mom, I would step in. I felt very protective over my mom. His personality flicked. One minute he'd be fine, and the next he would not be okay. In 2015, the changes in Kieran were also becoming apparent to Susan's friends, with one of them saying he appeared to be withdrawn and more gaunt. He was fitting an extension for her at the time, and sometimes he would fail to turn up for work. To Susan's shock, when a credit card bill arrived, for a card that was usually reserved for big purchases, Kieran had run up a bill of about £3,000 by withdrawing money from various cash points. Susan questioned him, but he became immediately defensive and hostile, causing the tensions within the household to escalate. Things became even more serious when Susan picked up his work clothes to do a load of washing, 
In his pocket, she found a small straw and some cocaine. In a text message, she said to him, No one and nothing makes you choose that shit. You choose that over your family. Kieran replied, Please don't tell the girls it's drugs. His erratic and volatile behaviour continued. On one occasion, Susan and Kieran were at home. He held a knife to his wife's throat and threatened to take both of their lives in a murder-suicide. Susan said the ordeal felt like it went on for hours. On another occasion, the loft had been rigged with a noose. In a series of text messages, Susan told him that she wished she could turn back the clock, but it was clear that they wanted different lives. They decided to separate in November 2016, and Kieran left the family home and moved back in with his parents. After 24 years of marriage, it was a difficult choice, but Susan knew she had to protect her daughters. With Kieran gone, the tension eased, and things felt lighter and calmer. It was a chance for Susan to take some much-needed time for herself and relax with her children. Susan said that it appeared that Kieran had got himself back on track, but this would all change when she moved on. After an incredibly stressful and difficult time with Kieran, things did begin to look up for Susan when she met a man called Mike. They had taken their relationship slowly, but over time she began to talk to him about her ex, the trouble she had with him and how difficult things had been. She wanted to have a clean break and a chance to start again with someone new. This also meant she had to tell Kieran and start divorce proceedings. Susan sent him a text message asking if they could meet up at McDonald's at 6.30pm. Kieran agreed, and knowing that Kieran was volatile and unpredictable made an already difficult situation significantly harder. Surprisingly, however, Kieran seemed to take the news of her wanting a divorce well, with Susan describing the conversation as amicable. He later sent her a text message saying, I'm glad you have found someone. She replied saying she hoped he would find someone too. Despite on the face of it taking the news of the divorce well, Kieran had actually done anything but. The following day he sent her a series of text messages. I don't care what you do, it's your life. Who am I to say? Give me 60k and I'm gone from your life for good. Susan responded, what about being a dad? Are you going to pay maintenance and still see them? Kieran replied, what, and pay for some to sleep in my house? I have nothing, you have it all. Sorry, I would rather have you killed. Following this, the situation continued to get worse. Essex Police, what's your emergency? Um, I, and my ex-husband is outside my house threatening to get in and um, sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Like, You've got uh, the lights out of me. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, he's got a hammer. He's got a hammer, OK. He could smash the door. He could smash the window and be in. Honestly, I don't trust him. Please. Yeah, we're on our way. He's done the same with me. We're on our way, OK? OK. Oh, he's smashing up all my pots outside. There's been a lot of abuse and, and violence before, so I'm sorry. But can you go to the bathroom and lock yourself in? I can't. There's no lock on it. OK. Is there any room you can go to lock yourself in? No, I haven't got any locks because I've got okay. children. OK. The children in the property now? No, no. It's just me and my dog. OK. They were trying to get units allocated to you, OK? Yeah. Susan also called Kieran's cousin Lisa, who soon arrived and could hear him destroying things. Kieran appeared with a hammer in one hand and a drill in the other and told Lisa to leave it alone, saying that the situation had nothing to do with her. Lisa said it didn't seem like the Kieran she knew. He soon drove away and the police arrived not long after. The two police officers went into the house with Lisa and her husband 
and Susan explained the messages that she had been receiving from Kieran. Before long, Kieran was back. He got out of his vehicle and began screaming and shouting that he was going to kill Susan. The police went out into the street and Kieran said, You're going to need more than two of you to get me in the car. He was subsequently arrested and led away in handcuffs. He was arrested on three counts, possession of an offensive weapon, threats to kill and criminal damage. The threats to kill allegation, based on his text message saying he would rather have her killed, was argued to possibly be hypothetical. As for possessing an offensive weapon, as Kieran worked as a builder, he had various equipment in his van, including the hammer, so in order for that to go ahead, it needed to be proven he was unlawfully possessing it at that time, which they couldn't do. Therefore, he was charged with criminal damage. He denied the allegation at South End Magistrates Court on January 29, 2018, and he was scheduled to stand trial on the 29th of March. He was released with the conditions that he not go onto Susan Street, and he was to have absolutely no contact with her. Susan called him being charged with criminal damage a farce, saying that she could not believe that that was what he was being charged with. It was around this time that one of their daughters said she started feeling incredibly scared, saying that she felt the police were not taking their fears seriously. Just 12 hours after his release on bail, another call would come into the police. Essex Police, what's your emergency? Hello, yeah, uh, uh, uh odd, odd request, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at a week's end, I, uh, I really don't know where I am or what to do. So, so you lost, are you, or? No, no, I'm not, I'm not lost. <laughs> Just lost in life, I think. Right. Uh, uh I've tried to, uh, I've been arrested for the first time in my life for criminal damage and various things. Uh, I'm going for a criminal risk divorce. Right. Have you done anything today at all, or...? In, in what respect? Anything against yourself? Uh, oh, I, I've tried to. Alright. What have you tried to do? No, I've just tried to kill myself, but... Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've driven to a place that I know quite well. Tried to put a plastic bag over my head for the yeah. belt. All right. Around my neck. And, uh, I just can't, can't take it. Kieran, you still there? Kieran? A mental health team alongside police officers were sent out to speak to him, but when they arrived, he said he was fine. So he was told to contact his GP, and that was it. Despite the conditions of his bail very clearly saying he was to have no contact with Susan at all, he paid no attention to this. He called her and turned up at her house, leaving her incredibly fearful as to what he might do next. He lied to people and said that Mike, Susan's partner, had been sending him gloating messages about his love life with Susan. He also sent what initially appeared to be a series of random letters and numbers to his daughter. When she asked what it was, he said it was the registration number of Mike's vehicle. She asked why he was sending it to her, and he replied, He needs to speak with me, okay? Tell her and her boyfriend. The incessant messages to Susan continued, You and the girls have everything. I will always have my memories. Have you forgot not money, I suppose? Thanks for everything. A true lady. Enjoy. It was absolutely terrifying for Susan, and frightening for her to even have her children at home alone. He would make 80 calls a day and refuse to stop contact. As he failed to adhere to the conditions of his bail, Susan contacted the police again. Please can help you. He's on bail at the moment, but he's broken bail conditions by contacting me. 
sort of saying he's got nothing here, nothing to stay for. I'm a bit concerned about his state of mind because it's just all a little bit loopy-loop. So I don't know if he's going to harm himself or harm the girls because he did threaten to kill me. So I don't know what his state of mind is like. I've got all of his bad petitions. I send it over to local officers. Okay, it's just I'm frightened of him. I don't think he's mentally stable. Susan's mother, Jennifer, also became frightened and asked her daughter if she had been to her house on Boyce Green and used the hose to add more water to her pond. Susan hadn't. She believed it was Kieran, doing it as a way of taunting them by showing them how close he could get. The 7th of March, 2018. Mike phoned Susan, saying he could see a man going into their garage. He then headed upstairs to look at him out of the bedroom window, whilst trying to stay hidden behind a curtain. He could see a silver van parked in the driveway and Susan asked him to read out the registration number and then begged him to stay inside. The van then drove off. About ten minutes later, Mike went into the kitchen and there was no electricity. The police later arrived and it was discovered that the electric had been cut. Kieran sent gloating texts saying, I hope your day's been great, honey with three kissing emojis. Kieran's harassment continued to escalate and he would call Susan incessantly, refusing to move on. The police still hadn't acted, even though they had said they would arrest him. Detective Superintendent Stephen Jennings, the lead for stalking and harassment for Essex Police, who was not involved in the case but spoke about it in a documentary, would later say that as the police received hundreds of calls per day and no direct threats of violence had been made, It was deemed that there was not much risk to Susan, so staff were not deployed. He would add that in hindsight, there was a failure to see this for what it was, stalking. Susan said, each time I called, someone came to take a statement. It would take hours. They would promise they'd get it sorted and then nothing ever came of it. Each time I called, it was as if it was an entirely new case so the police never put a full picture together of how badly things were escalating. Basic things like filling in a form to record the presence of children in the home, which should have prioritised our case, and had it escalated to a more serious level, wasn't done. On the 11th of March, Kieran made an internet search for the most flammable liquids. The following day, Susan's house phone rang, with one of her daughters answering it. It was Kieran. His daughter said the police were out looking for him, and his response was to laugh. He then, for the first time, extended the threats to his child by telling her he would f*** her up. Essex Police, what is your emergency? My dad keeps on threatening that he's going to come to the house, and he's, he's ringing up the phone, he's like harassing us all the time. What's he stated that he's going to do? Um, he, he just says he's going to fuck us up, he said he's going to kill us, he's told my mum okay. he's going to kill us. He's harassing my nan. <laughs> My nan's elderly. He's like breathing down the phone to her. We've already reported it, but he's not been arrested, but he keeps on coming outside our house. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Kieran was added as wanted to the police national computer. Officers were dispatched to try and find him, so the first place they tried was his address at Chukes Road in Canvey, but he wasn't there. As the search for him continued, it was advised that their daughters should not stay at the house, so one went to a friend's house and another went to Jennifer's. Jennifer and her granddaughter watched television together before heading to bed. When the lights in the house were turned off, the phone immediately began to ring. Susan's daughter called the police before calling her mom. She was terrified that Kieran was outside. She said he was in the garden and she didn't want to get up. Jennifer had become so terrified she had locked herself in the bedroom. Susan called the police at 1.50am. Hello, it's police emergency. My husband is constantly calling the house all the way through the night. He's doing it to my mum where my daughter is staying. Did you say that there's a warrant out for him? Yeah, I've got sheet after sheet that I sat with the police and every time I'm told that they're looking for him. I am more worried about my mum and my daughter because they're two women on their own. I'm at my grandmother's now, so he's ringing my grandmother's. The house is quite a big house and I'm just like looking around and I don't know what's in it. I'm absolutely petrified. Susan's daughter also called the police again and she was advised to unplug the phones from the sockets. Despite the threats being made, the police said they did not have the manpower to send a unit out. But the threats just didn't stop. Kieran's texts were still abusive and cruel, referencing Susan's late father. Thanks, you bitch. Hope you see your dad soon. Kiss. At 4.10am, he sent her another text message, which was just a single kiss. Over a 24-hour period, the police had been called six times. The 13th of March, 2018. That morning, one of the couple's daughters woke up to a text message. It was from her father, Kieran. It read, I love you no matter what they say, kiss. She didn't reply. Also that morning, the police had reassessed the case and it was downgraded from high risk to medium risk. Medium risk means that there may still be a risk of serious harm, but that it might not be imminent. Jennifer had locked herself in her bedroom because of how terrified she was of Kieran. Her granddaughter, who had spent the night with her, left the house, and Susan knew she needed to go round to be with her mum. She let herself in and locked the door behind her. Susan encouraged her to carry on with her day, adamant that she was not going to be bullied or allow her family to be bullied by a man who simply could not accept that their relationship was over. Jennifer and her dog headed out into the garden, and Susan watched them through the window as she made a cup of tea. Susan called Kieran's boss to try and find out if he knew where he was. He didn't. She then got a call from the police about their investigation. Then, without warning, at 10.48am, Kieran turned up. Susan called 999. Please, please. Please, please. 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 What, where are you? Are you indoors? I'm indoors! 
Where is she? In the back garden. He's out! He was in the garden with her! Right, Mum's in the garden. Is she conscious and breathing? I don't know! You don't know? Okay. What's, what's Mum's name? Jennifer. Jennifer? Jennifer And you don't know where he is? Is that my mum? Is anyone with Mum? Kieran had been running with a knife as he screamed and shouted, swearing and being abusive as he ran towards Jennifer. His arm was on fire. He was also carrying a petrol can and threw liquid onto Jennifer's head, face and back. Jennifer cowered and screamed as he continued to pour the liquid onto her. Susan ran down the road, screaming for help. As she got to the bottom of the road, she turned around and noticed that he wasn't behind her. It was then that two neighbours came out and told her, don't go round there, there's two burned bodies. Kieran had doused himself and Jennifer in fuel and then set them alight. Susan immediately ran back to the house. Susan said she had no eyebrows, no eyelashes. All her hair was burnt off. Her hands were red raw, her face, everything was sort of black. Despite her horrific injuries, Jennifer was able to speak, telling her daughter how much she loved her and that she and her granddaughters were her world. Susan later said she said she wasn't going anywhere and that she was going to be all right. Susan, is mum okay? She burnt her fucking finger! Okay. Right, so she's badly burned. Kieran had also been seriously hurt, suffering major burns across his body, and he had ended up slumped against the wall in the garden. Susan described him as red raw and struggling to breathe. She said, I realised he was sitting absolutely burned. I did get up and scream at him at what he's done to me and the girls. What's happening to Kieran? He's in the garden. He's burning to death in the corner of the garden. The police, fire and ambulance service were quick to arrive on scene alongside the air ambulance that landed at the local golf course. Kieran was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder and he and Jennifer were taken to hospital. It was later discovered that Kieran had bought a bucket and jerry can before going to a petrol station to buy fuel. Two hours after the attack, Susan was taken in for questioning. You go again from the start. I didn't see fire on her, but I saw a... I did see flames, but I can't remember. I can't remember where I saw the flames. Right, I can't remember okay. I, saw, I can't see the man. That's OK, it's all right. So where was he then at this time when you were talking to your mother? I didn't, I didn't see him at first, but he was in that corner where we were. What, what state was he in at the time? He was sort of smoking. So he wasn't on fire anymore, but he was still smoking. smoking. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was the way through. And what did your mum say to you? said, yeah, just, I'm okay, I'm, I'm sure, I'm not pushed sure. daddy's with me. Okay. I'll be okay. Okay. 
Mr. Lynch poured petrol over himself and 72-year-old Mrs. Cronin and set them both on fire in her garden. The 50-year-old had been locked in a bitter divorce with his wife, Susan, who repeatedly warned the authorities about his drug-fueled threatening behaviour. Staff at the hospital told Susan that Kieran was not going to survive the night, as the extent of his injuries were too severe, after having 97% burns across his body. For Kieran's daughters, it was an absolutely impossible situation to be in. One of their daughters said that he was still her father, and she wanted to be able to say goodbye to him, tell him that she loved him, and that she wished it hadn't come to this. Kieran Lynch died that evening. A toxicology report found that he had both alcohol and cocaine in his system. Jennifer was taken to Broomfield Hospital's burns unit and was admitted into intensive care, with burns across 33% of her body. The burns were mostly on her upper torso and head. She was taken into surgery, but reconstruction was impossible due to the nature and extent of her injuries. It was decided that she would be instead given end-of-life care. She held on for 17 days. But tragically, on the 30th of March 2018, at 1.32pm, Jennifer Cronin died, surrounded by her family. Dr Benjamin Swift carried out a post-mortem at the hospital, confirming that her cause of death were complications from the horrendous burns she had suffered. For Susan, this had purposely been done by Kieran purely to hurt her, knowing how close she was to Jennifer and how much they meant to each other. Monday, January 21st, 2019. An inquest. Jury has been asked to consider whether any errors by the state contributed to the deaths of 50-year-old Kieran Lynch and Jennifer Cronin in Benfleet. Kieran Lynch poured petrol over 72-year-old Jennifer Cronin and set her on fire in the garden of her home last March, before doing the same to himself. A week-long inquest was opened at County Hall Chambers in Chelmsford. Susan said that when she went into the inquest, she was just angry with Kieran for what he had done. But as the facts emerged about how poorly it had been handled by the police, she became more angry with them. I felt like he was upping the ante in what he was doing. Each incident I reported, he wasn't arrested, she said. Susan's partner Mike also spoke about the stress and worry caused by Kieran's behaviour. It was constant, a lot of verbal abuse, my name being brought into things. It was getting more and more stressful. It was scary because we knew of the mental state. We didn't know what he was capable of. A senior Essex police officer says the force is reviewing its procedures after being criticised over the horrific deaths of 72-year-old Jennifer Cronin and her 50-year-old son-in-law, Kieran Lynch, in Benfleet. The coroner is to compile a report into their deaths after highlighting issues with communication and record-keeping. The jury at the inquest concluded that Jennifer had been unlawfully killed and that Kieran had died by suicide. It also found that poor communication by the police had factored into it. Susan gave a statement saying, We are very pleased with the results. It's been a horrific year, really, to be pushed from pillar to post and we felt all along that we weren't being listened to and that things weren't being done as they should be and now that result means we can see it in black and white. We tried our hardest to get them, the police, to sit up and take notice, but couldn't understand why nothing was being done. I would hope the police have learnt from these mistakes. It doesn't bring my mum back or their dad, but things definitely need to be looked at. They are supposed to protect and serve the public, and they certainly didn't do that for us. For Susan, the failures by the police to act on the concerns about Kieran meant that it could have been prevented. The police didn't protect us. We were shouting and screaming and waving it in their faces, and the failings were shocking. If they had done their job properly, my mom would be here. 
The inquest found five areas of police failings that were contributing factors to Jennifer's death and that attempts to arrest him weren't made in a timely and efficient manner. Following the findings of the inquest, several officers received management action training in record to record keeping and processing of information. No police officers faced misconduct action. In March 2019, the Independent Office for Police Conduct found there had been a lack of positive action from officers, as well as a lack of clarity over domestic abuse offences. A domestic homicide review was also set up and the police were criticised for allowing Kieran to not be identified as the danger he posed, or that his behaviour amounted to stalking. It also said there was an absence of proactive responses to breaches of bail and a lack of understanding of which officers should be responsible for this. It was later announced that Susan was taking legal action against the police, hoping they would accept legal liability for their failures in her dealings with them. She said, I would just like the police to take proper responsibility. I feel so strongly that this could have been prevented if the police had done their jobs properly. I was going through hell and it just wasn't taken seriously. I've been left a single mom with no help and no family left. It's not easy. I'm disgusted by the failings of the police in all honesty. Detective Superintendent Stephen Jennings said, I've met Susan Lynch and apologised to her for what happened in 2018. I've personally invited her to come and talk to our new teams. We are a far stronger force than we were five years ago, in every way. Mike said Susan often suffers from flashbacks and wakes up screaming and crying. The absolute horror of what Susan and her family experienced is almost impossible to put into words, and the terrifying series of events that unfolded in front of her eyes are too awful to comprehend. Susan said, watching my mum get burned alive by my ex-husband and being helpless to intervene was exceptionally disturbing. She didn't deserve such a painful and traumatic death. Mum still had lots of years to live and plenty of love to give her grandchildren. My poor girls have got to live with this forever. Thankfully, they have lovely memories of the person their dad used to be. To try and find the words to end a case like this is almost impossible. The trail of devastation and destruction left behind is quite simply unfathomable. Jennifer Cronin should still be here, enjoying life and spending time with those she loved most. Her life was ended in a way that is too horrific to even think about. And for those left behind, life will never, ever be the same. When we lose someone we love, we must hold on to those good memories and keep those happy times close and hope that with the passage of time, there will be an opportunity for healing. <laughs>